listening to Catholic Espresso. Whether you have an espresso in hand or not, this is a podcast that will help you in your journey of faith. And now here's your host, Father Pavel. Amazing, amazing coffee. I hope your cup is in front of you because we are so excited to have you in our podcast, Catholic Espresso. Today, episode number four, you're going to hear about a year of St. Joseph and what we've done here at St. Mary Immaculate for St. Joseph to open the hearts and minds of people for this very often forgotten saint. You will hear some of our parishioners sharing with us how St. Joseph and the consecration program changed their lives and helped them to have a deeper, stronger, uh, maybe in some cases even a new devotional life with St. Joseph. Also, you will hear today about St. Vincent de Paul Society here at uh, St. Mary Immaculate in Richmond Hill. I think um, it's so good to talk about poor and uh, those who are in need. Uh, we are in this holy season of uh, Lent and uh, so many of us um, are worried about almsgiving. So great opportunity to listen, learn, and maybe do some action to help those who are in need. And finally, you're going to listen to the news of the church prepared by Christina. Um, before we're going to go to our actual episode, I, I just want to apologize you first, because I know the last, last podcast, um, the sound uh, wasn't clear enough. And uh, I'm still learning how to use equipment and how to properly uh, connect the microphone to the computer and how to use the program. And I know uh, we have such a professional producer, Paul, and uh, sometimes when he looked at my recordings, um, they are not the greatest and he does as much as he could to, uh, to make them better. And I believe and I know that every single episode will be better and better and better. And we're going to come to that perfection. Um, I will come to that perfection to the moment when I will be satisfied with the recordings and uh, our producer will be happy how talented priest is uh, Father Pavel being able to record such a good piece of audio material. Welcome. Enjoy a good coffee and um, let's begin. It's so good to be with you today. Hundred fifty years ago, Pope Pius IX uh, proclaimed Saint Joseph as patron of the Universal Church. And on this anniversary, Pope Francis had established a year of Saint Joseph so that as he said, every member of the faithful, following his example, may strengthen their life of faith daily in the complete fulfillment of God's will. So following the direction of Holy Father, um, who also said, always invoke him, especially in difficult times, and entrust your life to this great saint. Following these words of encouragement, 
we decided to do the consecration to Saint Joseph, the wonders of our spiritual father, a beautiful, great program written by Father Donald Calloway, Marian priest from Stockbridge um, in the United States. And um, such an amazing response from our parishioners, um, such a popular program. Um, when we introduced the book uh, to the parish, uh, 130 copies were sold out right away. And there were so many people who were waiting for uh, for the books. Uh, unfortunately, we weren't able to order more than 130 copies. So um, we began our program on uh, February 15, on Monday, uh, with daily meditations, which are in the first part of the book. And uh, we were doing this for 33 days, every day, one meditation per day. Every weekend on Saturday evening, uh, from 7 to 8 in the evening, over 100 people got together uh, to talk about the wonders of our spiritual father, which is the second part of the book. Uh, we have a great discussion, sharings, people uh, talk about an influence of St. Joseph and uh, what they learn from the program about uh, such a forgotten saint. So basically, four Saturdays, we read pages 83 to 229, and um, we had discussion, Father Peter, uh, Peter Paul joined us, and um, I think it was lots of fun, but also very beneficial uh, for, for all of us, because what we learned from the book, it was such a great resource of information, such a great research about um, St. Joseph, such a good book uh, for the year of St. Joseph. And um, we ended up on March 13 with the last session. And right after that, uh, we are preparing for consecration, which will take place on feast day of St. Joseph. So on the feast of St. Joseph, March 19, we will consecrate ourselves, our families, our homes, our town, our parish to St. Joseph. And I think it's so important, especially during this time when we need his help, we need his invocation, we need his support. Um, as Holy Father said, always invoke him, especially in difficult times, and entrust your life to this great saint. I asked a few of our parishioners about um, St. Joseph, what they learn, and uh, how they feel about the year of St. Joseph. So let's listen to a few of our people sharing how they were changed by St. Joseph during the year of St. Joseph. So Adam, who is St. Joseph for you and how St. Joseph makes changes in your life? For me, uh... I, I was I was first struck by by Saint Joseph, by the fact that he he's so overlooked in the church, um, and yet he he so silently and patiently uh, looks over Our Lady and and Baby Jesus um, with with his steadfast faith and virginity, and uh, uh, the more that I I came to read about him and to and to pray asking for his intercession, the more I saw these virtues uh, 
I, I saw that these were virtues that I also uh, was seeking out in my own life. Um, uh, to be to be silently uh, present before those who are often struggling uh, and who are in need of assistance. And I, and I, and the second thing is uh, Saint Joseph as a as a patron saint of work uh, and as someone who who uh, goes to work with with great expectation, looking looking to see the the face of Christ. Uh, I constantly look to Saint Joseph as as a model for helping me to enter more deeply into my work. That's wonderful. And also, you're going to do the consecration today. Um, are you excited about it? And uh, secondly, what do you expect from St. Joseph um, to uh, what kind of changes in your life uh, St. Joseph brought um, for you? I'm looking forward to, to bringing before him all of my questions. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I think that uh, the the path of preparation for the consecration has one, has been one of um, very small, uh, often imperceptible changes that I've that I've noticed. But but looking back, I, I can see how how he's been uh, working his 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 way in my life, and uh, and I expect this to continue to be the case uh, in, in the months and, and years to come. So who is St. Joseph for you personally, for your spiritual life in general? What role does he play in your life? Okay, well, first of all, I am uh, trying very hard to um, ask the grace of um, um, being given a devotion to him. And so I feel that um, this year especially, that is coming. It's a, it's a grace that I'm receiving. And so uh, what I'm asking fervently is that he uh, teach me to uh, love his um, his spouse Mary and uh, and his son Jesus the way he did, and so I think that if we can all do that, uh, the world would be a better place. So Maria, what is Saint Joseph for you, and what did you learn about Saint Joseph during our consecration uh, program that we had in our parish? Yes, Father Paul, I um, learned so much because I didn't know, I know almost n not, nothing about him. Now I know so much about him. He is really my strength. He can, he can take me to Jesus. And he is going every single day. If I go, I know he will be there with Mother Mary bringing me to Jesus. And I thank you for all this, for, for Father. Um, my goodness, my father, I didn't have a father, or I don't remember him, but he is my father. Bosco, we just finished our consecration to St. Joseph. Very emotional moment in the life of the congregation and the people of St. Mary. Many people came here, uh, they were present physically, but also um, many people were united with us in prayer over the live stream. I want to ask you, who is St. Joseph for you? Um, first of all, it came to my realization that St. Joseph was the first saint. Uh, it, had, it had not dawned on me, and that had a huge impact on understanding the role that St. Joseph uh, played within, uh, you know, with bringing our Lord in, in, into, into the world, looking after his uh, wife Mary, being chaste, being pure, 
uh, it just was a tremendous, uh, almost a shivering experience for me to uh, understand and appreciate uh, the role that St. Joseph played in, 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 in our faith and in, in, in our church. And personally, as, as a father, as a grandfather, as, uh, as a husband, and it, it, it now gave me a new meaning uh, and new value to my role to be the best person I can be so that my children, my family, look, look to me uh, as, as a role model. So that to me is uh, what this, the book did. And just appreciating just you know what St. Joseph was able to do to, to my life. So tell me, who is St. Joseph for you personally, for your spiritual life? St. Joseph is my father, as my father was also named Joseph. And so whenever I pray to St. Joseph, I think of my actual biological father, and I have great devotion to him. I, I have now made him my children's grandfather as well. Did consecration, the program that we've just finished last week, helped you um, in your journey with St. Joseph during the year of St. Joseph? Yes, it has shown me all the different, uh, he's the uh, terror of demons, uh, he's the protector of Our Lady, he's the protector of his, of his child, Jesus. So that's why I, I honor him. So many beautiful stories from our parishioners and um, let's pray, continue to pray through the intercession of St. Joseph. Let's pray to St. Joseph, a light of patriarchs, spouse of the mother of God, chaste guardian of the Virgin, foster father of the Son of God, head of the Holy Family, and all this, his values, beautiful values that, that we can learn from him, just, chaste, prudent, courageous, obedient, faithful, men of patience, poverty, workmen, glory of domestic life, guardian of virgins, pillar of families, comfort of the afflicted. Saint Joseph, pray for us, intercede for us, and one day welcome us at the gate to heaven. And there's Christina now with the news of the church. Christina. Thank you, Father, and welcome, everyone, to this week's edition of News of the Church. Pope Francis has returned from his apostolic journey to Iraq, but the reverberations from the historic visit are still being felt. Meeting and speaking directly to Iraqi Christians, the Holy Father offered words of encouragement and inspiration. The Pope told the country's Christian communities that they are truly part of the life of the Universal Church. Having witnessed or even experienced persecution for their faith, the Christians of Iraq must be careful not to harbor thoughts of revenge, Pope Francis told the crowd. He went on to say that Jesus strengthens us to resist the temptation to seek revenge, which only plunges us into a spiral of endless retaliation. Pope Francis' final words were to cleanse your hearts and to live the gospel. The highlight was the historical meeting as well between the Pope and the leader of the Iraqi Shiite Muslims, Grand Ayatollah Ali al-Sistani, that took place 
place in Najaf in which Pope Francis said that the country's top Shiite cleric is a humble and wise man and that their meeting had a universal message about the importance of fraternity in creating a culture of brothers and sisters. Pope Francis' apostolic journey to Iraq is an appeal to the international community to put an end to wars, occupations, and divisions throughout the Middle East. The president of the Pontifical Council for Interreligious Dialogue, Cardinal Miguel Angel Ayuso, said that the pontiff's trip is one destined to enter pages of the history of all religions and humanity itself. And this week marks the 500th year anniversary of the arrival of Christianity in the Philippines, with a Mass by Pope Francis who urged all Filipinos to renew their commitment to Christ as missionary disciples. And that's this week's edition of the News of the Church. I'm Christina Doyle. Now back to Father Pavel. Thank you, Christina, for sharing with us the News of the Church. Thank you for giving us all the updates about the life of our church. Big part of the seminar reformation, I spent working uh, with the less fortunate, with homeless, with those who suffer because of material need, uh, because also of the spiritual hunger. And um, I was blessed to work in downtown Denver in the place called Samaritan House, where I spent the entire summer uh, doing different kinds of work and especially sharing my uh, ministry with those who were in need. Also, um, over a month, I spent with the Missionaries of Charity in the house that was opened by Mother Teresa of Calcutta in Gallup, New Mexico. I work with Native Americans, with uh, Navajo Nation. Uh, the house that I was serving them was located outside of the reservation, a huge reservation, over 200,000 um, Native Americans. And um, that was such a great experience and great preparation for my priestly ministry. And I realized that uh, over the years, uh, it will be 15 years of the priesthood, uh, God was showing me over and over again in many different uh, life situations that the poor are with us, no matter what. Uh, we are so fortunate living in a beautiful town, uh, living uh, among such a great people. Uh, but there are also people who are looking for assistance. They are looking for help, and not only material help, very often also for spiritual guidance. And um, that's the topic of the interview that uh, I did uh, with Patrick, the president of St. Vincent de Paul at St. Mary Immaculate Parish here in Richmond Hill. I hope it's going to be beneficial for you. We are in the season of uh, Lent, uh, one of the practice that Mother Church is giving us during, uh, during Lent is almsgiving. Maybe after you listen to this uh, episode, something will ask you to uh, to reach these people, to, to do something for those who are poor uh, in the spirit of our Holy Father, Pope Francis, who is reminding us all the time that 
poor are among us that we have to do everything possible to support them, to change the world, to change our society, to help those less fortunate. And now Patrick and St. Vincent de Paul Society here at St. Mary Immaculate Parish. And in today's podcast, I would like to welcome Patrick Legree. Uh, Patrick is a president of the Society of St. Vincent de Paul here in our parish at St. Mary Immaculate. Uh, Patrick, welcome to our podcast uh, number four. And um, I'm so happy that you are with us, especially because today it's uh, St. Patrick Day. So happy feast day to you, Patrick. Thank you very much, Father, and thank you very much for having me on this afternoon. Patrick, um, can you tell us um, a little bit about yourself? All right. Um, well, I have, I'll try to get do this as fast as I can. I was born in Hamilton in 1961, which makes me just shy of 60 years old uh, in a week or so. Uh, 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 early years living in Hamilton. Uh, at the age of six, my mother passed away, and my father moved us up to the Valley where he, and unfortunately a year later, he passed away. So I was raised by uh, my uh, fraternal uh, aunt uh, for uh, the better part of my life. And, uh, and I came to Toronto to go to York University in 1980. And uh, after that, I actually started working at York in 1985. And I've been there ever since. I, have, I was married in 1990 and I have two sons uh daniel and nicholas and of course you are a parishioner of saint mary immaculate and you were elected as a president of uh, saint vincent de paul uh was it last year yes uh, in, in may first week of may last year so what is it uh, what what is the society of saint vincent de paul uh what do you do okay we are a catholic uh, lay organization dedicated to serving the needs of the poor in our, uh, in our own specific community. Um, uh, we, we don't, we don't discriminate on it in terms of the needs of our poor, whether you're, uh, uh, religious or not, or your cultural background. Um, and we bring food vouchers, uh, to those in need. Uh, we provide bed assistance, um, we also uh, do, uh, you know, some kind of minor counseling. You know, some people just need someone to listen, to, uh, to hear them, and, and for us to listen. So um, that's some of the stuff we do. Uh, we prior to COVID, we would put on a, a Christmas dinner for our neighbors in need. We did a coat drive, uh, so they would have warm clothing for the winter time, and things like. Uh, uh, on Pancake Tuesday, we'd have a pancake dinner and a barbecue uh, in the parish hall in, in late June. Um, but all all of the people who conduct these activities are volunteers, and they range in age from uh, you know to from the forties right up until the eighties uh, in terms of age, uh, and we're a very active group. Um, I know that you practice in your organization uh, values. I like uh, see Christ in anyone who suffers, come together as a family, have a personal contact with the poor, help in all possible ways. Can you tell us um, how does it work in our parish? So 
Uh, what do you do with those who are in need here in Richmond Hill? Okay. Um, a lot of, uh, of how people find out about us is through word of mouth. Um, we have set up uh, like a hotline um, for people to call in. They call in, they provide their name and their phone number. We then uh, answer those messages, call them back, and set up in normal times, we would set up an appointment to visit the, their home. Um, and we would do an assessment uh, to see, you know, what their needs are, uh, you know, what's your rent, what are utility bills, uh, are you dis- do you have a disability of any sort, number of children, uh, family issues. Um, so we do that as a part of an ass- initial assessment. And then we uh, can make a determination to the level of assistance we provide to them. So say an in-person visit, uh, we might determine a, 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 a mother, a single mother with two children. Uh, we would actually provide more in terms of food vouchers and assistance to that person than say the single individual, because the need is greater. And we would also look at things like, do the children need clothing and where can we source, make possible clothing for them? They need school supplies. We sort of do that at the, at the end of August, just prior to the school year. And there are other things we look at is their health issues in terms of some people, uh, they may be undergoing cancer treatment. So uh, can we provide them with any sort of assistance to get back and forth to the hospital where their where their, uh, chemotherapy is taking place? So, so there's a wide range of things we do. In the previous years, I had a chance to go and visit some of the places that, um, that you are helping as, um, as a Vincentians. And um, I was so I was so amazed how many people are in need because we love Richmond Hill. Looks um, our our city, our town is so beautiful. But there are parts where people really suffer. They live in poverty. They they suffer because of um, the lack of the material needs. So um, h- how do you help? What's what is the way of approaching uh, those who are in need? How does it work? Okay, the, the first and, and, and probably the most important thing uh, we have to consider is that we have to respect these people and treat them with dignity. Um, as you mentioned, you know, we live in big, rich, rich, you know, big, rich Richmond Hill. Um, and as you say, the, there, are, there are pockets of poverty, uh, that we have social housing buildings, you know, like on Young Street, um, and it's it's the part of the, uh, I guess, the town that not everybody knows about. So, our notion is to um, in, in, is to serve these people with dignity and respect, to provide them with at least some degree of food resources through the vouchers, and the other things I mentioned, uh, things like. Uh, beds if, if need be but there's also uh, for those who won't want a spiritual dimension I mean we don't want to you know just say okay here's here's your food vouchers goodbye we actually sit down and talk to people and I think that's an important part of what we do listening and it's a message um, that I think goes back to um, uh, both uh, Pope Benedict and in particular now Pope Francis. Um, I know that uh, I've just looked at uh, the Assembly of Catholic Bishops of Ontario. They had a 
uh, a nice uh, document on uh, Caritas in Veritate and the, the strength of Pope Benedict's call, you know, for um, helping uh, for social justice, helping the poor, and um, and also Pope Francis has been very strong on helping the poor. And those are the things we, as Vincentians, um, bring to uh, bring out to the community we serve. It's amazing. Um, your organization uh, is a very large organization here in Canada because you have almost 15,000 members and um, you made 226 uh, visits last year. That's what the website of um, the society said. And um, you are helping over 300,000 uh, needy people. It's 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 amazing. How many members of Saint Vincent de Paul organization are here in our parish? Okay, the members of our our what we call a uh, our conference at Saint Mary Immaculate. Mm -hmm. There are twenty one members, um, uh, but we serve. I would say in in any given year, individuals and uh, families uh, upwards of three hundred. That's that's amazing. Uh, that's an incredible job for for twenty people. And uh, Patrick, if if someone wanna join uh, Saint Vincent de Paul, whom they should contact, or where should they call? Well, they can contact me. I'm the president. But initially, if they see the Saint Vincent de Paul telephone number uh, on the parish website, uh, call that. Just leave a message and say I would like to become a member. Uh, we also have, I think. It's published on the uh, on the parish bulletin website. Our uh, Gmail address. Mm -hmm. So uh, it, that's the initial step, and I'm happy to uh, talk to people. I've had a couple of uh, we've had a couple of new people join in the last uh, year, so it's it's been good for us because some of our older older members have decided you know they can help out with things, events, but uh, doing the door to door visits are, are are sometimes, especially in the winter, a little tough on people. I found out that um, St. Vincent de Paul here at St. Mary Immaculate visits approximately 500 homes per year in our community. Unbelievable. Um, you are also involved with a winter coat project. Um, I still remember before COVID a long, long line of people waiting and um, they really appreciated what you've done to them. Also, I know that uh, you sent 10 to 15 unprivileged children in our community to Mary Lake Girls Camp and uh, to the boys camp. Also, uh, what you are doing uh, with Christmas luncheon, uh, that was just unbelievable how many people shows up, um, over 330 people, 145 households. And uh, you gave such a good, delicious meal to them with the Christmas gifts. Can you can you tell us uh, more about these activities that you are involved with? Okay, uh, things like the Christmas dinner dinner uh, also has that's the dinner component, but there's also the gift giving component. And the the planning for this starts actually back in in, in August, where we sit down and we discuss what we're going to do. Um, timelines are set. Um, we have to do some fundraising. Uh, so by the middle of November, we start calling out to all the people we have registered with us. So as you say, you know, we have 
three, anywhere from 300 to 500 uh, people or families registered with us. We had a huge bind, two huge binders. So we started an actual call up to those people and asked them, uh, first, are you, would you like to come to the dinner? And secondly, we do uh, take down a list of needs for them for, uh, for like what we, we call it a gift basket. So how many children do you have? Would you need clothes? Do you need toiletries? So you know, this is a huge undertaking because um, you know we're, we're calling out to probably 300 people or more. Then we're coordinating all that, and we send this information up to our, our schools associated with the parish. And uh, it's sort of a blind uh, uh, system. We don't put names on it. We, just, we have a list of names, but numbers, and we put numbers on the forms. The forms go to the class, and we ask that, can this classroom uh, make donations to fulfill the needs of this family or these individuals? Um, so that's all brought back in about a week before the actual event. Uh, we go around in a truck and we collect all this from the, from the schools and we bring it back to the church hall and we have a one evening where it's all offloaded, fully, uh, correctly labeled from the school and we do a giant sort. It takes us you know, four or five hours. We coordinate this all in the middle of the week so that on a Saturday morning when the people come in for the Christmas lunch, after that, they can line up either individuals and one of the, the church hall and uh, families on another, and we bring them out their gift baskets. So, as I said, uh, but we have a we're lucky we have a lot of volunteers the Knights of Columbus, Catholic Women's League, uh, various people from the, those uh, those organizations also help us. And it, it and it's a major event for what we do uh, as a as a uh, an organization. Similarly, when we did the things at the uh, coat drive, we call in the schools, you know, donate, can you donate coats, go around, get the truck, bring the coats in. You know, we have probably two to 3,000 coats that come in into the parish hall uh, one night, and we have to sort them all out so that we're ready to go on a Saturday morning. And the, the need in the community is there, but I think the, the service we provide to them is very, very important. Uh -huh. Yeah. We we don't you don't see that anywhere else. I know that we have our friends in the Salvation Army uh, who, uh, who also help out, but the scale on which we do this on a you know, day is, is is nowhere to be seen elsewhere in the in the community. Absolutely, you touch um, lives of so many people here in Richmond Hill by what you are doing, and we are all grateful for the, your dedication and time and energy and uh, spending resources, Patrick. Um, a few more things, couple more things before we um, we're gonna wrap up this um, this interview. Number one, I want to ask you um, how COVID uh, changed uh, your operational um, your operation system, or does it affect your organization in the way how you approach how you are approaching those who are in need? COVID has had a big impact in terms of. Our, our like our core mission of visiting people so we just you know we just can't do that any longer so what we've done is try to rethink how we do a few things the, the gift voucher the food voucher program we still have that going people still call into the uh, the hotline and leave their names and numbers but we've now got to to a system where 
we have their names and addresses. We mail the vouchers to them as soon as we get the call, and then we ask them to confirm that they've gotten the, the vouchers, you know, in the mail. Um, so that's that's sort of a big shift in direction of what we've done. Unfortunately, we did not, we were not able to do the uh, Christmas dinner and, and gift baskets as we have in the past. Uh, uh, but what we did was we did, uh, we reached out to the community and for fundraising. And our, our this parish of St. Mary Magna is phenomenal when you ask people to give. Particularly, uh, we thought we were going to be in a rough spot this for this past Christmas. No, we exceeded what we uh, we, we thought um, we would get in. And that also goes to help uh, our, on a continuing basis. So everyone this Christmas got actually, when we looked at it in a monetary value of vouchers, uh, I think close to 10% more than we gave them last year. We didn't give them the tubes of toothpaste or something like that, but they got more in terms of vouchers and different types of vouchers. So not just for the grocery store, but to Walmart and, and places like that where they can go, go get clothes, themselves, their children, go drive. We we actually uh, couldn't do, but we did a partnership with um, Salvation Army this year uh, over on Bayview Avenue, and they used their hall and they they screened people in and out. But we um, did the solicitation of the coats, so they didn't come back to our parish as it normally would, but they did go to the Salvation Army. And the, the nice thing about the Salvation Army setup, they were able to do it through a whole week or over a two week period different days and any leftover coats they could still provide to people. That's amazing that uh, during the COVID when so many people, um, even our parishioners, um, are touched, hit by by pandemic, um, they are still open with um, helping others, supporting others, especially those who are in need. And, and we are so grateful to all parishioners who uh, support um, St. Vincent de Paul, especially now during the pandemic. And um, Patrick, Mother Teresa of Calcutta, St. Teresa of Calcutta, she um, mentioned in her talks very often that um, material poverty um, is a one thing, but there is also spiritual poverty. And I'm sure you see that on the regular basis when you are dealing with those who are in need. Um, do you see a lot in your ministry um, spiritual poverty, poverty that uh, comes from um, addictions, poverty that comes from um, from spiritual hunger, hunger of God? Uh, do you see that? Oh, yes, yes. Uh, we visit people who for years may have lost touch with the church, whether it be the Catholic Church here in Richmond Hill, or, or uh, some other denominations, and we we speak to them about that. And you know, uh, my experience has been that a number of people we've spoken to over the years. Once you know, we we're not preachy. We don't want to twist your arm, but you know, we give them a prayer card. Is it you know, reach this, read this. Perhaps if you would like, you know, the church is there for you. Come on, come to mass. One day, uh, you know, and, and try to come back to us because you know the door the door is open and we we are here to welcome you. That's and yeah. It's really, in that way, we can you know try to uh, fulfill the, the spiritual needs of some people who have been, for one reason or another, either lost or or, or they feel displaced. 
that's a beautiful way of evangelizing people as well through your ministry, through the service to those who are in need. And finally, Patrick, I want to ask you if someone uh, who is listening to the podcast want to help you uh, financially or uh, by what will be the, the best way to help you, to help you to serve those who are in need and uh, what kind of help do you need? I'm just going to go into my cell phone because I don't remember it right off the top of my head. Uh, but, okay. So if you want to uh, make a contribution or if you want to get involved, uh, the first and easiest way of doing it is just leave us a message on our telephone line, which is 647-389-2229. And uh, we're sure to get back to you. Um, and uh, we just, we'd love uh, more people to, to join us as volunteers. And if there's someone out there who wants to make a, a financial contribution to us, that's um, uh, the first step also. We are grateful today for those who are supporting St. Vincent de Paul, uh, for those who are in this beautiful society. Um, I am very grateful that you touch so many people. You are touching so many people here in Richmond Hill on a regular basis. And um, especially that um, that your ministry is in the spirit of our Holy Father, Pope Francis, uh, when he over and over reminds us that uh, there are poor among us. There are poor that um, they need our attention. One day, Holy Father uh, said, actually, it was um, on the World Day of Poor. He said, the poor guarantee us eternal income eternal income and uh, I want to wish you, I want to wish myself and those who are involved with St. Vincent de Paul that will have incredible eternal income because of our good deeds and acts of love and charities that that we perform here on earth. Um, please extend uh, my deepest gratitude to all the Vincentians for everything you do, for such a great job, uh, for your presence, visible presence in the life of the parish, and not only in the visible, for the visible presence here in Richmond Hill. Thank you, Patrick, for your leadership, and may God continue to bless you and bring you many, many more volunteers and also help you financially to help those who are in need. Uh, Father, thank you very much for having me today. And I also want to express my thanks to you in terms of this, the great and tremendous support you have shown to us uh, as, as Society of St. Vincent de Paul uh, in the church and in, through the community. And I leave you with this. It's what I, uh, I think I said in my speech in, in October, but it's something I learned in grade two catechism class, and it's something I think uh, that touches the Vincentian spirit. It's a, it's a little song that says, Whatsoever you do to the least of my brothers, that you do unto me. And that has stuck with me all my life. And that's one of the reasons uh, I uh, became a Vincentian, because service to others, particularly the poor, is one of the most important parts of my life. Thank you, Patrick. And let's continue to live in this beautiful spirit, beautiful words. God bless you. And thank you for everything you do for those who are in need. And we are at the end of another episode of Catholic Espresso. 
Thank you very much for listening to us. Thank you very much for spending time with us. I hope we prepared a good things, the constructive things for you that you can grow in your faith as Catholics. I wish you a peaceful rest of Lent, incredibly, incredibly holy season of Holy Week. Um, enjoy this such a special time in the life of the church, time when we can get closer to our Lord, crucified Lord, when we can adore the mystery of the cross, when we can come closer to the upper room where Jesus established, instituted the sacraments, the sacrament of the Eucharist, the sacrament of priesthood. And finally, the mystery of Easter Vigil, when um, 30 people will be welcome into the Catholic Church in our parish, adults and uh, children, please pray for them. Uh, such incredible stories of conversion stories, how God worked in works in their lives to bring them to the Catholic Church and how they found the Catholic Church in a very mysterious, mysterious way. Beautiful stories. I really love to go for the uh, first classes of our CIA to listen to the stories, how, why they want to become Catholics. Please pray for these people. They are beautiful, beautiful people and uh, great um, catechists, people, the whole team who prepare them for the, for the sacraments. And finally, the Resurrection Sunday, uh, time of joy, time of happiness. Um, but on Easter Sunday, uh, you will be able, you with God's help, to listen to another episode of Catholic Espresso. May God continue to bless you, protect you, have a, have a great, good day. And um, I want to thank Paul, our producer, for your war hard work and dedication on this episode, actually every single episode. And um, God bless you to you all. May Almighty Lord bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. And don't forget to tell your family and friends about Catholic Espresso. God bless you. Ciao.